Well, 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 well. Welcome, my friends, to this fine audio, video, radio, and podcast program known as Smoking and Toasting. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we are live at one of our absolute favorite places in the world, not just because they're a sponsor, because quite frankly, and don't tell them this, I'm only going to say this because Jeremiah is not, like, seated with us right now, but... I'd still love them even if they weren't a sponsor. I'd still come here and Man, eat and drink. The it's, here, the yeah. Woo, I'm telling you. Uh, we're at the Houston location, uh, which is at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And uh, it's also they've also got a location in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. You'll notice and, we set up today with this beautiful Houston skyline in the background. Yes. And you'll notice, as also is the custom in Houston, I don't know if it's the case where you live, but it is impossible to go outside any day after about January 15th of any year and not hear a leaf blower somewhere. somewhere. And so it's consistent today, actually. That's, uh, that's, that's working. Actually, I don't know what that is. I don't know that that's a leaf blower. That's some sort of some sort of mechanical device that makes noise. But yeah, yeah. So we probably should. But but hey, welcome to the show. It's show number ninety-five, Ian, which means we're only five shows away from our big one hundredth episode, smoking and toasting free for all. I'm really psyched about it. So for those of you who haven't heard us talk about this before, we're inviting back, and we've had so many people on the show. Many of them live in different you know cities and states it won't be possible for them to all make it who knows if more than two or three will make it but we're inviting everyone who's ever been a guest on the show to join us plus a few other people uh to join us for the 100th episode and it's just going to be smoking and drinking and absolute chaos and i think it's going to be a party i'm looking forward to it smoking and toasting free for all yep it's going to be great it's going to be great. So we do want to say thanks to last week's special guest, Josh Noel, or Noel. He never confirmed that either pronunciation was correct. He just said, he said either both. one works. Yeah, yeah he said both uh, <clears throat> Josh is a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, and he also wrote the amazing book called Barrel-Aged Stout and Selling Out, Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, making a grand entrance, our special <laughs> guest, Mr. Jeremiah. But, uh, we, Jeremiah, we thought... We'd get started uh, on the show. We didn't know you were going to make an entrance with an Ashton VSG, though. That's well, you know. very, very impressive. I wanted something versatile. I didn't know what we were drinking today, mm-hmm. really. So mm-hmm. I just, I didn't want to like just immediately go to my deep, dark, like Maduro hole. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is normally I a sledgehammer, just in case you wanted it. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so I need a permission slip for that. The camera I think. can't see that, but Ian brought along one of those. Uh, would you say you need a permission slip for us? Sure. Uh, that, my friends, is a rocket fuel uh, powerhouse <laughs> a, of a cigar. Man of War of Ruination. Look at the size of that mm. Solomon right there. Mm, mm. That's crazy. That's pretty serious. So, all right. So, uh, so you're cutting into the VSG, getting lit and getting started. I'm getting going. You guys, I see you've, 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 you've already you've already started with a with a cocktail. What uh, what are you what are you doing? Uh, I am drinking uh, Nika coffee grain. So mm. 100% corn, uh, Japanese, made on a coffee still. Nice. Um, My wife loves that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. They also make the coffee malts and then the coffee gin. Uh-huh. And a lot of confusion with the coffee term, but if yeah. you pay attention to how it's spelled, you realize that it has nothing to do with coffee. Nothing to do with coffee as we... Uh, it's coffee it, it as ain't the name Starbucks. of the patented still. So yes. it's a two-chamber, continuous, two-column still. Um, really, really cool thing. Really cool process, but good juice. Well, uh, Jeremiah, we brought along the beers today, but we did, we did 
think we'd probably let you choose the spirit. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some stuff. <laughs> okay. I figured you had something we can enjoy. So uh, so back to our special guest from last week, Josh Noel, has written a fascinating book, and I couldn't recommend it higher if you have any interest in craft beer or, for that matter, in any craft industry of any kind and how it relates to big business. Uh, it's called Barrel-Aged Tout and Selling Out, Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business. It's a great read, and uh, and he's uh, he was he was a great guest. Enjoyed well, you know, having him I on. I gotta tell you, that book actually brought me back to my college days. Not because of the content of the book. The book was fantastic. It was quite engaging. I enjoyed it tremendously. But it brought me back to my college days because I didn't know until about three days prior that we were going to have him on the show. Oh yes, and you hadn't started the book yet, had but you? I hadn't started the book yet, <laughs> so I was cramming. So I didn't sound like a total idiot. <laughs> Come on, you don't read that guy? No, your book about that thing is I great. The no, <laughs> words and know, stuff. Here's the thing. Even though I was cramming that book, um, it was engaging. It was not difficult to do. Yes. You know, I didn't have any trouble. Like, And, and it forced me to sit outside with a cigar and, and my Kindle night after night for hours. It was, uh, you know, brutal. brutal. Absolutely brutal. I, and he was so fun, too. Like, yeah. His... His whole dialogue with us was such a yeah. dialogue with three of us. I don't know. Exactly. Well, what an was, awesome, was, awesome, like, just the, the, con- the content. Like, I don't know. The, the subject matter is, like, incredibly engaging, I think. Like, because we talked about that on a couple different shows. Honestly, when, yeah. It's been when a- it happened, like, I remember when Carbock happened. Uh-huh. And, like, it was, I believe it was you, me, and Wingo, maybe. Uh-huh. I believe we were, we were up here. Yep. And uh, I was insane, you know, but like, I mean, Goose Island kind of like paved the way. Yep. Well, it was the first major you know, craft beer. Uh, yeah, right. Well, yeah, to, to go 100%. Buyout, however, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and to be honest, like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think their beer suffered. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think so. There's there. We talked a little bit about how maybe um, how maybe the Honker's Ale isn't as good as it used to be because we, we, we did try that yeah, last week. But here's the thing, like I didn't try, I didn't personally try those before the before the buyout. Yeah. So I don't have a basis for comparison. I I think what I decided on on the uh, Honkers Ale and the Throw Two, I didn't think they were either very special. Yeah, absolutely. I could look at them in kind of a historical sense if that's what they were putting out far enough back that that was. You know, beer with flavor when there wasn't a whole lot of beer with flavor. Well, that's so right. Yeah, difference, absolutely. Know, when Honker's Ale came out, and you had it instead of a Budweiser. Oh it yeah, was like a, a, it was a huge thing. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So, was like Sierra Nevada? You know, before the IPA world, absolutely. like all of a sudden, wait, 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 what are these hops like? Well, why does this taste like citrus and now, awesome? Ian, I know you're a fan of the Sophie, which we tasted again Sophie last so week, yeah. and that's a good. We actually carried beer. that here, but it's hard. It's a little harder to get yes. these days. Yes, it is. And I also talked about. How I had looked for the Matilda, uh, which was another beer kind of similar to the right, Sophie. It was right. a very experimental. I've still not been able to find Matilda, but look what I did find for today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Goose Island. Wow. <laughs> yes, the Lolita. Lolita is a wild ale, Young and it is a Belgian-style Wild Ale. So we will be sampling. I've never had this, so awesome. we will be sampling that today. I'm going to put it back in its case here so it stays <laughs> nice and home. cold. Yes, crawl back right in there. So. Uh, so, so yeah, we have good stuff to taste. We're going to taste that. We're going to taste the Samuel Adams Sam 76. This has been part of Samuel Adams' entire revamp of their line. Most stuff that Sam Adams was putting out a few years back 
with the exception of you know Samuel Adams Boston Lager and exactly. some of the mainstays is gone and has been replaced by something new and in many cases something exciting one of the big early successes of this revamp has been a beer called Sam 76 and Sam 76 is a I don't know what the right word is it's a merging of an ale and a lager Huh. So it's a lighter beer, kind of an easy summer drinking kind of beer. That sounds fantastic, we'll be, actually. We'll be trying that out today. Plus... I hope they didn't get rid of that cherry wheat. Uh, no, that's still around. That's good that's stuff. That's still around. That's good barbecue um, beer yeah, right there. Yes, <laughs> that is. I'll tell you what else is good. We have never had a beer that we didn't like. Well, except for one. And then he admitted that he was testing us uh, yes, from <laughs> from Lone Pine Brewery. We had uh, we had the brew, we had the brewmaster on the show, and he brought everything in growlers when he came yep. uh, came on the show. And then he tasted one, and I saw him watching us. We were like, we were being nice, but we we're like, well, this is not my favorite. And he's like, yeah, this one's not very good. I thought I'd see what you guys thought. Of. And I was like, this is one we tried. It didn't really work out. And I was like, wow. So uh, anyway, they make, in my opinion, the finest IPA. That's being sold today, well, and they, that's they, the Lone Pine. I was just uh, about to say, I think Yellow maybe Rose. the finest IPA that there is uh, ever known. Oh, it's it's amazing. So I mean, yeah. Like, I, I hate to say that to like like in case anybody from San Diego where Stone is is listening. But yeah, I know because those guys take their IPA very and, seriously. And they make over some there. good ones. Yeah, that that Yellow Rose IPA changed my life. Today I mean, we are going to see. I thought I was the only see, one who I'm would say IPA it in a hyperbolic guy, way like I, that. I, neither am I. Though, that's I what I'm saying. Desert Island IPAs, okay. My Desert Island IPAs be dogfish head 90 minutes sure yeah. i mean that's just um, raging aggression though that's awesome because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's amazing um it would be uh the lone pine and it would be two hearted ale from bells like, yeah those yeah. are like i think like on the readily available shelf ones those are the top three so that I know of. that's it Ian. show number 101 is going to be Desert Island beers. We'll oh, pick wow. five styles and we'll uh, we'll comment. Make a list. We'll make a list about what our uh, Desert Island beers would be within in each, each style. style. Within okay. each style, yeah. So IPAs. Uh, we'll talk about maybe uh, barrel aged stouts. We'll talk about um, uh, porters. Whatever, whatever the right. We'll figure out the categories between now and then what they should be. But that'll be a lot of fun. Just say Lone Star better make somebody's list here. <laughs> Lone saying. Star is my favorite. I've only got two bucks in my pocket, and I'm still in college beer. I am not adverse to having a 12-pack of Lone Star in my fridge oh, for see? just being out on a hot I'm day. I'm telling you. There's nothing wrong with a really cold Lone Star. I, 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 I like the really, really you know, awesome whiskeys and all that, but I'm telling you, I slum it when it comes to beer. Like, a lot. Like, I, I do. <laughs> we are going to uh, take a quick break and be back with our second segment. When we'll start our first tasting. We'll talk about our cigar tastings. But before we do, I just wanted to say hi to somebody who checked in on Facebook as we're on Facebook Live. Gail Stein. Gail was my um, science teacher in seventh grade. Outstanding. And Hello, she Gail. had such high hopes for me. And here I am hosting the show about done. smoking and drinking. So Hey, hey, <laughs> distillation is chemistry. That's right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> uh, we are live at there B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston. Our special guest, Jeremiah Butler. And we will be back to do some tasting. Coming up next, it's Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Quite intriguing. And in the uh, so, those of you who listen to the uh, podcast audio of the show, you do miss out on some of the stuff that happens in between. Uh, and one of the things that happened in between here is Jeremiah was commenting on the 
uh, beast of a cigar that Ian seems to have lit up. So let's That's open mysterious. with that, Ian. Uh, we are live, by the way, at B&B uh, uh, Butcherson Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. It's also in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. We'll be paying that a visit very soon. And, uh, Ian, we have lit up and are all enjoying cigars, but yours looks to be maybe the... The Most best package. The best package, for sure, yeah. Although so, I have no complaints about the uh, uh, about the Ashton VSG packaging, but that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably one of the coolest boxes I've ever gotten, or tubo that I've ever it, gotten. It's pretty sweet. So a tubo is when, when you get a, a metal tube that the cigar comes in, you usually unscrew the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are handy. Like, I, I usually buy some cigars in tubos because... And then I can just toss a cigar in my pocket, and I'm right. out and about. Well, if, if you're I going somewhere you don't know, yeah, speak, you don't want to Speaking of my stuff. days in college. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a cigar in your yeah, pocket? Yeah, that's right. right. Anyway, but no, but then if you get a chance to smoke it, that's great. And if not, then it's fine. You're not tearing up the wrapper. I mean, cigars and can be the cigar delicate. doesn't get dehumidified. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Because they stay, you know, they stay pretty well in there. But uh, I saw this. Um, and this is such a beautiful tubo. This is actually kind of a square tubo. Because it's a box press cigar. Because it's a box press, so they made it the exact same shape as the cigar. This is an Avo Synchro Nicaragua box press Toro. Rest in peace. And um, it's, it's like a medium powerhouse, if that makes any sense. It's got so much toast and butter in the flavor. Um, this is very different from a lot of cigars I smoke in general. It's got uh, toast, butter, campfire. Uh, mm. In my experience, Avos, lots of the, the sort of standard Avo line is a really good lighter cigar. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. But I've well, had some of the, like the Fuego, yeah. that is a wonderfully complex yeah. medium absolutely. to full. Absolutely. Uh, what, what are you thinking so far on this? So this has just a ton of great flavors. The, uh, the initial light on this had uh, just a kiss of spice, no harshness whatsoever. As you can see, it's burning beautiful. Uh, this is burning faster than I was expecting, but not faster than I'd want it to necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, if you like a medium, this is on the lighter side of medium, but the flavor is just so big and complex. Uh, and it's it's all those things I just said. It's uh, it's it's nuttiness. It's toast. It's a little bit of campfire. It's classic cigar. It's everything you want in avo, and it's every bit as complex as you want an avo to be. Wow, wow. nice done. Process, right? Complex, complex, nice. complex. Yeah. complex. Yeah, a complex is a place that includes a number of different it's structures or buildings. Complex. It's complex if it's it has complex. complexity. Noted. Yeah, there you go. Thank well, you, see, Professor Cruz. Well, uh, if Gail Stein is still watching, <laughs> if Gail Stein is still watching, who was my teacher in seventh grade, she'd be proud of the English <laughs> lesson that I just laid on you. Uh, let me also um, uh, ask you about the VSG, Jeremiah. Um, I mean, uh, that's a cigar that a lot of people are familiar with, but boy, is it a, a great go-to. A, it's, I was just about to say, for me, it's a it's a go-to, especially like when you're outside during the day. It's hotter. Like I said, like the, the Maduros can be a bit much, which is like. Most sure. of my go-tos tend to be like kind of more dark, aggressive mm-hmm. smokes, just mm-hmm. because I, I tend to drink aggressively. You know, I tend to drink high proof. I like that. I drink aggressively. You know, see that's high, not high proof, very heavily peated right, a lot of times. Right. You know, uh, but for today, like I, again, like I wasn't sure where we were going, so I was like, you know, just a nice go-to the VSG or the e- the ESG the estate sun is yeah. also nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this you know, it's it's that classic you know leather, nicely toasted, nothing heavy, um, very delicate. 
and and you know with the with the coffee grain you know 100 corn it's kind of a cool back and forth yeah this has got like a sweetness that i think is accented you know on by the cigar so you get kind of kind of as opposed to the like and like of like deep dark smoke with deep dark peat mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool more back and forth um, but I mean, this is just you know. It, it's one of those cigars that like you you cannot go wrong with yeah, exactly. Absolutely, it's, it's just if you're if you're kind of looking through the humidor and that's there and you see some other things that are new that might be good, some other things. <laughs> that gonna, well, that's exactly you know what happened good. today. You know that one's going to perform. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. What happened today? Absolutely. Um, which, by the way, I wanted to say something like like part of like the the, the cool advert like like. You know, we talk about in the restaurant industry, you know, you take your first bite with your eyes. Yeah, like, yeah, 100%, absolutely. you take your first drag of yeah. that with that tube. Oh, there's and, no, and, no and question I about mean, it. I mean, it's yeah. cool and, like, all the time. And we, we carry the basic Avo here in the humidor, and it's that's mm-hmm. kind of my intro. Yeah. Right. And if you get somebody that says, hey, like, I'm here with my, you know, my company. We're all smoking cigars. I don't do this very often. You know, where, right. where, where would you recommend? Start? Yep. I almost inevitably will go with the, the traditional Avo uh-huh. classic. Yes. You know, it, it's just, it won't turn you green. <laughs> you know, like, well, because I mean, honestly, like, you'll you see nice, that guy, solid, you know, may, maybe, flavor to it, maybe, you know? like, maybe he just got into the law firm or right. whatever. And, you know, I can't say no. And he gets handed this, like, monster T52 Liga <laughs> Privada. You know, and 10 minutes later, he's, you know, I'm not sure this was a good idea. Sweating. <laughs> Drinking up like, hand that back to somebody who can handle it. Let's give you something that fits in your. And, and not uh, that the Avo isn't palate. complex or fantastic. Not a great cigar. I, I don't mean it's, it's just on the lighter absolutely. Uh, flavor profile. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of lighter play, uh, lighter flavor profile, uh, and I haven't started drinking yet. Um, uh, I got this out of Ian's little, uh, very nice uh, leather uh, La Palina uh, travel humidor. Um, which Thanks, is still again. Awesome. Thanks to Clay Roberts. Yeah, to Clay Roberts, yes. Uh, but uh, this was an Aladino, which I didn't know until I'd actually pulled it out of there and said, okay, I'll smoke this one. Uh, but this is a uh, Julio R. Arroya cigar. And the cigar that Ian reviewed last week was an Arroya. And he was also kind enough to give me one of those. People, <coughs> people who've watched the show, like for a couple of episodes here, may have the idea that I mooch a lot of cigars off of Ian, <laughs> and you'd be absolutely correct. Uh, but uh, but what well what, played, uh, what well I played. was going to say, and I said this before the show started, but your review was spot on about that, Eroya. It was complex and full and wonderful yeah. and one of the most enjoyable cigars that I've had in a long it, time. It takes you on a flavor ride. That's, right. Yeah. So when I picked this one out, not knowing it was an Eroya, I didn't really know what to expect. It's a little lighter color, like a Connecticut uh, wrapper. And uh, so I lit it up, and to be honest, at first it was just kind of mild and toasty. I uh, didn't know whether to expect it to develop more complexity or whether it was going to be similar to maybe the Avos that we were talking about, just Certainly. a very enjoyable mild smoke. Well, I'm maybe eh, maybe a third in, a little past a third, and the complexity has now come on. I've got uh, the sort of like tingly uh, pepper notes on my mm, tongue, yeah. and it's heating up to a definite, I'd say a definite medium. Uh, in terms of nice. uh, of strength, but I, it's just got that very sort of what I'll call a light complexity, which makes me think that this is going to pair very well with just about anything that we go it's to. It's a great roll, by the yeah. way. Oh, it is. Like, it's, it's, a it's a beautifully made cigar. Beautiful cigar. Beautifully made cigar. And you know, with as uh, with as much as there's been, you know, issues with crops and issues with supply and demand, and from so many uh, companies, I've been a little worried that we were going to see overall cigar construction begin to suffer a little bit 
So this is now the second Arroyo I've had in a week. And, and on both, uh, look at that burn. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's perfect. Beautiful. Perfect burn. And the other one was perfect burn yeah, all yeah, the way was, down to the nub. And you mentioned that, things, too. Yeah, that I mentioned on mine yep. is the burn was amazing on it. I'll have to pick up so, one of these. Yeah, so I'm very impressed, and uh, and I think I think you would enjoy that. So one of the things we want to talk about on today's show is um, whiskey and food pairings. Absolutely. And I thought it would be good for us to start at the beginning. We've done a number of shows here at B&B. We've talked about pairings of whiskey and cigars quite a bit, and we will again today, of course. But but whiskey and food is becoming a bigger and bigger deal in terms of, of pairings. Absolutely. And some people may not really even know where to start. Well, I, I, I think spirits and food as a whole yes. are, are coming more together, not even just whiskey. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, you know, if you, if you think back 20 years, like, you know, Spirit pairings with food was essentially really, really cold vodka and raw oysters. Right. And that, that was kind right. of like the classic idea. Which of makes like, sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think traditionally we also think like cocktails after food. Absolutely. Or before, right. Or before, right. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, you start out with the dirty martini, then you have wine with dinner, and then you finish with a, a whiskey cocktail of some kind or a whiskey. And that's kind of, you know, the, the steakhouse progression. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, especially with... Um, don't don't hate me for saying this, but like like the millennials, like like generations younger than me, um, it's become much more of a prevalent thing to pair cocktails with their meals, or to not go into that bottle of wine with your dinner service necessarily, because um, that was always you know the, the the classic recipe, and so for me, and here it's. Um, it's a little easier because we don't necessarily have like a ton of composed plates. It's you know meat and then other and then meat sides, right. sides that yeah, kind of thing. Sure. So it's a little it's a little less complex here. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, uh, uh, even even other places that do compose plates are, are are really doing it. Like there's a couple of restaurants that I think that have phenomenal uh, Brasserie du Parc, for example. Um, you know, or, or even like Better Luck Tomorrow, which is part of that, that anvil tree mm-hmm. where, you know, they do their food and, and it's a cocktail bar. I mean, yeah, they have great bubbles and wine and, and you know, those guys do a killer job. But it's at the end of the day, I, I, I feel like most of the time when I see pictures on social media, people are eating with a cocktail. Right. right. And so when you're pairing a spirit, specifically like, you know, we want to talk about whiskey in this, this example. Um, it's kind of not that different from the wine approach in that there's kind of two directions you can take it where you can go similar like like with like or you can kind of do the contra Mm -hmm. so for example let's say i'm doing a big rich steak and italian wine right i'm going to be kind of focusing on the richness of the steak and the acid of the wine Mm -hmm. right right and if i was to do maybe a composed plate with steak as the feature i might look more into like a bordeaux or like something that kind of has a little more complexity mm-hmm. to kind of play around with the flavor profiles a that you're going more fruitiness to it well, yeah. well or even more vegetal like right. depending on what's on the plate you know kind of thing but you're kind of looking more at that like mm-hmm. you know you're looking to pair as opposed to contrast right and with whiskey i i think that you know a lot of people get afraid because it's such a big thing on the palate right um don't forget you can add water there's nothing wrong with that yes and and i am a firm believer like this is whiskey with small ice cubes because i wanted it to melt so there is like a calculatedness sometimes i'm not just a 
white trash savage who likes dimple ice. <laughs> you know. Um, but when but when you're pairing, the thing that I look for is especially because you know here obviously our food is our food um i try and find a way to really have the whiskey shine or whatever the spirit mm -hmm. is right so you want to look more at like what's going on in this whiskey and like what food item do i have that's gonna like really tie it together so like um you guys have had david allardis on the show before he's mm -hmm. coming on tuesday we're doing a glenfiddich dinner so the first course that I did was, or, or I'm doing, it's going to be like a baked oyster with some herbs, and then we're going to actually put the Glenfiddich Project 20 single malt on the oyster, Nice. Ooh. and then pair it together with that whiskey. So the idea so is... So some, some of the single malt on the oyster itself. Absolutely. Right. Which is very classic. Like a lot of you, so what you'll see will be like a really heavily peated, like a Lagavulin, mm -hmm. like a mm -hmm. couple eye drops on a raw oyster, which is phenomenal, yeah, by the way. If you have not yeah. tried it, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, but, and so especially like, you know, you know, Fiddick is such a cool blend of like kind of craft and, 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 you know, raw, like, like, like flavors that... It really works with that idea, and so like the idea is at that point, there's a touch of like salinity and you know kind of savoriness to the Project 20, and just this like slight touch of smoke. So by baking the oyster, you really bring that flavor profile to the front, and it brings it when you when you eat it, and then you go to taste the whiskey. It's really going to draw that smoke right, and salinity right. out. Fantastic. Um, and then, you know, when you go into like a main course, it can be a little trickier. But at the end of the day, like you just don't want to overpower. Um, and then, you know, just think like this is aggressive on your palate. So you don't necessarily want to go like heavily salted things like unless you're doing like like you want to go again to contrast like bourbon and bacon, which we've done right on the show. Salt, salty, sweet, savory, you know, all that good combination. And so for me, it just kind of depends on the direction that you want to take your pairing. Well, when you say pairing, too, you want flavors that that interact with each other. And that can be either complementing each other or contrasting each other. It's it's interesting and much like, much like a color palette. You know, you can have two colors that complement each other. Yeah. Or you can have two colors that are stark contrast and both can look great. Well... Your food and whiskey pairings are going to be much the same way. However, depending on the shades of those things, oh, yeah. they may also interfere with each other. And that's what you want to avoid. Yes. And that's what I say. Like, you don't want to, like, you know, the same way when you approach wine, you don't want food that's going to overpower a really delicate, subtle wine. And you don't right. want, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to crack open like a big monster wine with this really, you know, delicate, subtle, you know, you're not going to have, like, you know, uh, 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 table side, you know, hot rock cooked turbot fillets with a huge amarone because right. the fish will go away. It's like, it's right, literally it's just buried, at that point right. something mm -hmm. to be in your mouth. Right. Well, what is this beautiful sound effect that's coming up? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the world's uh, most awesome sounds. Will you pass that over to Adam? He's going to handle the uh, the pouring for us. Here. I, rem Adam, I remember uh, coming to grab uh, uh, I'm going to let Adam take care of that. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, I remember your high-tech uh, sound machine from that the original amazing, days. It's yes. incredible. Yes, we still use it from time to time. Oh, but well, we, I should hope so. We, we just don't want to, so. you know, you, we don't want to over-technologically uh, burden the show. So 
using that that sort of a device could, it is could it, it is right. only 2018 that device is clearly in 2020 or maybe yeah, later it may be, maybe later yeah uh, yet, yet we take a minimalist approach so we keep the device small right well it's very humble of you guys that's that's you know that's how we roll that's, that's uh, the way we like to play and uh, then, we're, i'm sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say but at the end of the day like the big thing when you talk about pairings is like don't be afraid to just have what you like right you know like i tell people all the time Thank like if, if somebody comes in here and a lady wants a 55 day dry age ribeye or a guy whoever if, if someone wants a 55 day dry age ribeye with a chardonnay or whatever I, hey by all means drink that, what you like yeah right you know I, some people may appreciate I, that well, i mean and that's the thing it's like i don't I'm, i don't live in that guy's palate like right. you know i drink and eat some weird combinations i'm pretty sure so mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I mean well speaking of interesting combinations uh, an ale and a lager combined together is what Sam has done uh, with Sam 76. And this has become uh, one of their better sellers in their line in a very short amount of time. Now, we and at, it's just now summer. We were at um, House of Blues the other night. Yes. And I saw that they had this there. I didn't try it, but I saw they had it yeah. there and I was intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. So I, I ultimate, ultimate respect to, uh, to Sam Adams, though, for... For being one of those revolutionary brewers that, and that for, really brought craft brew to the forefront, and for yeah. when it wasn't even existing, and for figuring out how to survive when they became kind of in that middle space between the big brewers and the little upstarts that had all the funky, crazy, you know, uh, different kinds of beer that were coming out, and Sam Adams is now a slightly more mainstream craft beer, but does that work in today's craft beer? world so they've had to reinvent themselves uh sam 76 is a more mainstream attempt but um i will say not a lot on the nose maybe just a little bit of hoppiness but uh not a lot on the nose i'm gonna uh i'm gonna go ahead and say this um so on the nose i get a little bit of uh a little bit of lemon mm -hmm. uh, citrus you know kind of thing i get a little bit of your basic beer smell, you know, your basic, mm -hmm. uh, it's got a little citrus. That, that lager. That, yeah, it smells much like a lager. On the flavor, it's lighter than I assumed uh, Sam Adams would come out with. However. Because their Boston lager is not a light lager no, at no. all. And it's phenomenal. That is a, that is a, very when we talk about a go-to a go mm -hmm. beer, like if you're winning doubt, if you walk into that weird bar and you're like, I don't recognize anything, but I see the Sam right. Adams. Like I'll start there. Yeah, or exactly. all you have is the usual suspects that yeah. sell, you know, the cold activated can and everything. Sam Adams is a way better choice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, this is clean and crisp. Yes, like, it is. It's almost very. Too much, I, I kind of like it. Very summer friendly. Well, I, I was yes. just. This is a dangerous beer. Like this to me. We'll immediately take that. We, we talked earlier about having Lone Star when it's hot outside, having it ice cold. This is probably just taking that place in, in, in the very first tasting of it, like instantaneously. I will tell you, there's something, on, there's something on the finish. But you say that. I, I think Lone Star is owned by Russians right now. Yeah, but at least there's a star involved. <laughs> That's good. That's very quick and very good. There's something on the finish here that makes this more interesting to me than most other beers that are as light as this Agreed. is. Uh, if you were to compare this to any beer that has the word light on it, uh, whatever brand light, um, 
this is far more interesting. Now, I yes. don't know that it's lighter in terms of calories. I can tell you that the ABV is 4.7 on uh, That's good. I can tell you if you are yeah. a light beer person, you yes. would probably like this beer. If, this, if well, we had tried this in the light beer taste test, it, it this would have been. been my number one yeah, hands well, down. This kind of, for me, is kind of one of those, like... Um, it, it's it's like 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 light beer for actual beer people. Right. This might be like, the latest you know. beer that I like. Right. That's like, <laughs> but, but, and there, that's kind of what I mean. It's like so for for like true beer aficionados, because like I will openly admit, like I like beer, but I am not as far down the beer rabbit hole as I am the spirit or wine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like beer, but for me, it's like, what's your favorite kind of beer? I don't know, the cold kind. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, so like a lot of what we've tried, or like in my experiences with y'all, is actually like some beers that I have and haven't and, and haven't had. But right. to me, this is this is like a light beer for people that actually drink legitimate beers on a regular basis. Right. You know, now, like like if I go to your fridge and you don't ever have what I would consider like the go-tos, right? Right. This is the light beer for you. There was a Samuel Adams light. Yeah. Uh, and Which I is be- great. I it's believe, the Boston Lager with less yeah, calories. I believe it's not. Maybe not still in their portfolio. I liked it, but I don't like it nearly as well as I like this. Yeah, and this is again, it doesn't say light beer, but it boy, it fits yeah. that. It fits that. Like I don't think this will. This is. I would hope great there was a taste. lot of this consumed yesterday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> one would think. Well, between the very patriotic, think, yeah, uh, the patriotic name, can. yeah, and I, can I absolutely love that. They have they have great packaging on. You know they've redone all their packaging. Yes, they have. Oh, absolutely. Too, Rebel so. IPA is a great new packaging. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that's a great Mola. IPA too. I yes, will say that is one thing that I might say got a little less amazing to me with Goose Island is their new labels. Yeah, are not as cool. Like the old labels for the goose eye, like the Sophie, that real simple white that just said Sophie Classic, and like had like yeah. the silhouette of the goose. Like whereas well, now yeah. it's it's got the the print, like the, the box lettering, and yeah, like I have yeah. the the IPA here. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll show so you the guys IPA the they've they've fashioned that packaging after what they did, and they talk about this in the book when they when they re- came out with the three one two urban wheat, uh, uh, which became the best selling craft beer in Chicago at yes. the time that it came out, and I think may still be, assuming that you're not disqualifying it as craft beer because it's from Budweiser. But they went with a what they considered a younger packaging. Yeah, and I think that they have adjusted packaging on some of their other brands to reflect that sort of younger Yeah, which uh, is, hey, look. you know, it's great. But I still like the classic well, goose myself. Uh, I'm with well, you. And I'm only loyal to what's inside the bottle. Like, right. you, can, you can package it. In, I mean, I've drank things out of brown paper bags that were amazing. Well, so. speaking of the goose, we will get to more of that coming up, and we'll be trying... The Goose Island Lolita, Belgian-style Wild Ale 2015. And I don't know if I ever got through to this part, but you know how we were talking about that Lone Pint uh, Yellow Rose IPA and how it makes all of our, uh, you know, IPA Desert Island lists? Today we're going to be trying Lone Pint's Imperial IPA. And this will be very interesting because Imperials are always bigger, fuller, and if you're not careful, Imperials can be what Ian has so well described as much like chewing on a pine cone. Yes. We'll they, see. They walk that slippery slope yes. pretty quick. So we'll see how uh, our friends at um, 
at Lone Pine do with that? Plus, uh, I think you're going to choose a, some sort of a whiskey to taste here or some some kind of spirit. Yeah, we're going to do something yep. cool to that. And we'll talk a little bit about the Smoking and Toasting 100th Show Free for All, plus an update on the Texas Cigar Lawsuit. Some things changed pretty dramatically this week. It's Smoking and Toasting. We're at B&B in Houston, and we'll be right back. Uh, welcome back, my friends. It is smoking and toasting, and uh, and here we go with the Jabberwocky Imperial yes. IPA. I don't know if I mentioned the title of it, and I don't know how well you can see that, but this is okay. So this is the only the second Lone Pint beer I've ever seen in a bottle in the same bottle. And it, it's yeah, the same and size it's bottle the same too. size bottle. Yeah, different label, obviously, but same size bottle as the uh, Yellow Rose. This Jabberwocky Imperial IPA. Is uh, let me just do a little and by uh, Imperial quick scan. He means eight and a half percent. Yeah, eight and a half percent, and fourteen IBUs. I see and unpasteurized. And I'm going to pass that over to Adam, who will come and grab it and do the pours for us, since we're uh, holding mics here today. But I'm really excited about this because Lone Pine, honestly, is one of my very favorite breweries. Absolutely. That, that Yellow Rose, we've talked about it so many times on the show, it's just unparalleled as far as a very drinkable IPA oh, goes. Great, great and beers. so much of what he brought to us on the show that day was just absolutely delicious. Yeah. And uh, that's a good show to go back. If you're going back and looking for that show in our uh, show archive, it's the one that, that's entitled Best IPA Ever. And they didn't bring it because he didn't bring <laughs> he didn't any bring yellow it, yeah. rose to the show. He brought yeah, but he doesn't show. need to. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the true. thing. It's like because it speaks for Because I, I think the yellow rose is why they started making the twenty ounce bottles because like, so, there were yes. people that were, were like I, I'm not going to commit to kegs or I don't have draft but I, I got to have this beer. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. One of the one of the cool things about it uh, about that particular show is he brought a bunch of stuff that you can't get. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. It's kind of like when you go to see. Um, when you go to see a band and they play only their old stuff, like, that's fun. I get a lot of people like that, right? Me, personally. You want to hear something new. I like I like seeing what a band does. I want to hear Absolutely. stuff. I went and saw, this was uh, like, probably 10 years ago, but I went and saw Iron Maiden. And they played, for the first, I guess, hour and a half, they didn't play anything old. Like, they played all new stuff, and I was like, heck yeah, and everyone around me was crumbling, going, I want to hear the Trooper. <laughs> Don't you have that album? <laughs> it's on, like, three of their albums. They got, like, two live albums plus the album that came out on in the first place. I, I love to hear a band do something. Absolutely. I saw Prince once in Chicago uh, in a really cool theater. I don't remember the name of the theater. Uh, it was when he had the Diamonds and Pearls album oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he came out and opened the show by performing that album in order in its entirety. And then he took a break, came back with Dearly Beloved, and did all hits for the second half of the show. See, that's and fantastic. The impact of, after you'd heard this really interesting music, some of which you maybe knew, some of which you didn't, for the first half of the show, and then the second half just hit after hit after hit, you left going, that's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Absolutely. You know? It was just, it was it was all of that. It was very cool. Well, so. like for me, it would be the, the last, most recent time I saw The Sword, because they, they just released their, their like, new album, Used Future, and they've, they've definitely, for those of you that don't know The Sword, awesome four-piece metal group, but... Um, 
uh, out of Austin, but like they've really like progressed over time. I mean, yeah. like I've been listening to them since Age of Winters, the first album, and it's really kind of cool to where now that's like atmospheric, and they've got all these new toys they're playing with on the album, and you know, there's like it's like it's no longer just four on the floor shred, which you know, hey, I Nothing am never saying that. anything bad about four on the floor <laughs> shredding, but um, you know, that idea when you go to the show, <coughs> that mixture because. I can only, I mean, Winter's Wolves is great, but I, I wanted to hear the new stuff live. You know, I want to hear you yeah. pull it off with the new equipment and, and hear that B3 Hammond organ all of a sudden and, you, you know, know, that I, cool I, stuff. Another band that'll do that, too, they'll come out and play literally all their new stuff is Clutch. They'll, absolutely. They'll do a show where they play almost nothing <laughs> old. I love that. Yeah, album. absolutely. Good old Neil Fallon, man. Fun time. 10,000-pound voice and 130-pound body. Right. Yeah. Well, um, while you guys have been uh, discussing the finer points of uh, of new uh, of new music at metal shows, which I think is a great topic. Have you been doing research? And we should continue. <laughs> but I, I took that moment to do a little research. I haven't tasted it yet, but on the nose, we've got some hops happening here, people. Well, let me tell yeah. you. First off, on the nose is. There's hops, but it's not a bright hops. No, it's it's, a it's dank more, and dark. Yes, yeah, it really is. And um, I will goes back to that whole college story. <laughs> <laughs> These hops. We don't talk about that incident. Jabberwocky. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's called Jabberwocky. So the initial the initial taste of this this blossoms right there on the front of the of the uh, of of the taste as uh, as a bright malty kind of flavor and then rolls into this dank hoppy uh, finish that's almost like uh, uh, you know what the you know what new newly mown grass smells like mm -hmm. like that on the retro hail after you take after you take your first sip this is pretty pretty darn good I tell you what this is for an imperial very drinkable it's it's not usually with you know when you open a bottle especially if, if it's you know a larger bottle of Imperial IPA you're like I'm going to enjoy sipping and tasting this, and then when I'm done, I'm going to go have a beer that I can drink. Absolutely. You know, this is surprisingly it's, drinkable. It's got a little bit of the, uh, of the uh, pine cone hoppy feel to it, but not like you're chewing on like like it's passing by, and then leaves you with this little malty sweetness right off the end. And then yes. That, like freshly mown grass. Yeah, well, and I was just about to say, it, great, it, with a little bitterness. It, to it's it. clean enough on the back palate that you get that bitter yeah. and malty. It doesn't just like. You know, like we talked about, like a couple shows ago, that like that yeah, coating, yeah. sticky. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you know, you're not gonna, you don't, you don't get that. It's a, in an in an odd twist. This has, I think, a lot of the hoppiness more in the front and the middle, mm -hmm. and then more maltiness on the end, which is a little backwards, I think, than than for a what lot you'd of, expect for yeah, an imperial, expect, especially. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. it's, and I do like the fact that they kept that malt profile in there because I, you know, some, especially some of the big West Coast ones. Man, they, it's like they try and really just chemical that out or something. I don't know what they're doing. Hops to death. Well, here's something interesting because this cigar not being like a heavier cigar, this I'd say is a solid medium. Um, I was a little worried the Imperial would just knock it right off the palate, and it doesn't at all. It actually pairs very nicely. It actually knocks out uh, a little bit of the center of my cigar as far as the flavor goes, but... What it leaves, and I, I don't know if you remember at the very beginning of this, when I first, um, uh, oh, hi, Stephen, this is actually the Imperial IPA, yes. not just the regular IPA, but anyway, uh, it, when I first lit this cigar, I said it had a, a toast and butteriness to it, 
Well, that butteriness went away, but after trying this, that butteriness and toastiness is back. Yes. Like, this almost tastes like breakfast now. It's, interesting, it's yeah. It's really interesting how it's interacting how it changes with the cigar. And, yeah, right, right. It, it changes, changes the flavor profile. And changes what I'm tasting in the cigar. Incidentally, the uh, comment from Stephen Richardson, one of my very best friends from high school. What's up, Steve? Um, he He's also a fan of the Yellow Rose IPA. Said it's very good. Reminds him of Lagunitas, which I will say Lagunitas is a go-to for me. Like yeah, It's, it's one of the easier IPAs to find. Sometimes you can find it at a restaurant that doesn't have as big of a choice of Absolutely. things, and, and so it's a it's a great one. And and you're right, there's there's some similarities uh, between those two beers. Not this one, that, though, but, but Lagunitas, uh, I'll buy anything from them. That's a brewery where uh, every beer I've had from them is. I is, love their. Yeah, they don't, they don't really something. put out like a bad. It's kind of like these guys. It's just solid. Yeah, they just, just make yeah. thought, well thought out, well crafted beer. I also like about Lagunitas that they're you know while some places seem to specialize you know stone specializes in ipa and so on lagunitas they're all over the place but Absolutely. everything is good yeah. and it's, yeah. it's you know, kind of like saint arnold it's like they're all over the place in terms of styles but everything they make is just well, as, really well made as ipas are not really my absolute favorites um i think this is a great ipa this is outstanding it's it's flavor balanced uh, it's uh, it's a big IPA. It is it is huge, but it's balanced enough to where it's very drinkable. It would be a good food beer. First beer, not so much. It would be kind of lost yeah. unless right. you're just eating barbecue. You know. But, but, so but this one, yeah. How, what would you pair this with? Um, this beer, I would go. I mean, obviously, like pretty classic pub fare would be be all like mm-hmm. like a really amazing fish and chips with this oh, would be nice. yeah, yeah. I can see that. like a home run but also like uh, i would go like uh like carnitas like quick like oh, pork very nice maybe yes, not necessarily pork, pork, going yeah. like just straight fajita route but right right um, so i'm gonna go even the other direction too because um ipas as a general rule will always pair with a rye whiskey certainly and I think that this would go great with a really nice, big round rye kind of whiskey, Certainly. like a whistle pig, or oh, like, yeah. a, like a, um, what's the one? Oddly enough, the Basil Hayden rye is quite good. Very difficult to find, but quite good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> quite says good. The guy, says the guy whose job it is to find right? things like that and oh, man. stock the, them the, in his bar. Well, that's the thing. Is like certain ryes are like. Unicorns. <laughs> right. For anybody out there, if you wanted to just like send me a Booker's Rye, I am haplessly crowdsourcing. Like shameless, <laughs> shameless charity. Um, but uh, no, this would absolutely go great with a rye. This would actually be really good in like a shandy style cocktail. Mm-hmm. So you could even do the rye with this with some orange bitters and like something like that would also be awesome as well. I would not recommend turning this upside down in <coughs> a margarita. No. 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 <laughs> Actually, let so me just go on that, record is here. Is that everywhere in the country, by the way, or is that just Texas? Let me just go on the record here. I wouldn't recommend turning any beer upside down in a margarita, okay? Uh, maybe that's just me, but I, I, I don't. Oh, no, I don't. Barry Hill would disagree with you vehemently. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I understand, but uh, yeah. just just not my thing. Um, what is, uh, as we uh, um, uh, move on, because I want to talk about this Texas cigar lawsuit, real quick. But yes. but what is your biggest unicorn right now? Like, what is the what's the holy grail that you're searching for? And when you find it, it's gonna be like it's gonna like make your day. That well, you if you want me to talk like business, just straight business yeah, style, yeah, like straight Weller business. Twelve. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Buffalo Trace, 
It's ridiculous now. Um, <laughs> I love but, getting them going. Well, no, I mean, it just uh, there's so many. Like, and I get, man, I get it. I really do. And it's it's awesome that their whiskey has become so in demand, and they they stick by. We only make so much of it. It's right. cool. Um, which, by the way, you know, pour a little out for Barton Distillery. Twenty thousand barrels hit the mm-hmm. ground. Summer in the river. They, don't, they haven't released how many they lost. <laughs> so, but you know, thoughts and prayers or whatever Facebook yes. things we can send to them. Um, but no, it, it's a sad like, emoji. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but honestly, like um, from a business perspective, I would say Blanton's and Yamazaki are the ones that are just kind of killing me right now because everybody knows them, everybody loves them. You only, you know, you get what you get each week, kind of thing. So, and and the cool thing is, most people that drink the allocated whiskeys know what it is so if you're out right. of it they're not like oh that's it i'm leaving you know bmb sucks like <clears throat> they understand like the, uh, the, the whiskey is. world uh-huh. is where it's at yeah, right it now it's what it is i just wish i was on the list of allocated sometimes <laughs> so do i and and you would think i mean i'm just saying like I, right? you know like 20 of them go here 20 of them go here and one goes to ian Sometimes I yeah. feel like I, I am the one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but from on a personal level, I would say probably that book, like the Booker's Rye or the E.H. Uh, e. Taylor Four Grain. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are both just that they're very limited releases. Like, I don't even I know they released the Booker's once. I, I don't even know if they've released the, the Rye more than like once or twice. And then the E.H. The e. Taylor is annual. It's just they only it's a barrel. So, you know, whatever it is, 2,400 bottles or something, and that's it. Like, We just have to get Chris Hart back on the show so we can try all those things. Because you know, we know you have them. Yes, well, I'm he's quite got, sure. He's got a special bottle of Blanton's that they'll be opening uh, early at the uh, Houston Ooh. Whiskey Social. Uh, it, it will be completely gone by the end of the VIP session. Houston. But, which, by the way, I, I, I would still like to buy Chris Hart a whiskey. Just come to B&B. Okay, well, Chris. <laughs> that's that's uh, out well, there. Actually, we should have both of you together on the 100th show here in a few weeks. Outstanding. So, so uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of whiskey available. I'm just, I'm just guessing. I'm planning on not working that day, <laughs> so, just so we know. So are we, by the way. <laughs> no, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, real quick before we uh, take a, a break here, the cigar lawsuits against the FDA have been kind of back and forth. They've been up and down. One of the things that was very interesting is our friend uh, Manny El Cubano Lopez and another cigar retailer in Texas had joined together and had filed a lawsuit against the FDA in the state of Texas. And this was a good thing because it meant that the FDA had to kind of like fight on two fronts, basically. So depending, it, it gave the cigar industry sort of two chances to get a ruling that might be more in the favor of the industry, which could then be built upon. Absolutely. Uh, on Monday, U.S. Magistrate Judge uh, Kimberly Priest Johnson reversed her earlier ruling and has granted the FDA their motion to transfer the Texas case to the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. She originally said that the cases were different enough to be tried separately, and now she's basically agreeing with the FDA that they are similar enough that they could be tried uh, together in the same court. Um, The reason that she gave was because since the plaintiffs had filed an appeal of the final judgment in favor of the defendants and have also filed a motion to stay or motion for injunction pending the appeal or resolution, basically it's the, the stay or injunction of the enforcement of this has caused her to look at it as 
being similar enough. I'm not sure I agree, but that was her. That was her. Sounds to me like thing, somebody's basically. checkbook opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it kind of does. Um, it's not necessarily a win for the cigar industry, although it's not a loss specifically. We but now we have it's a little bit maybe, of a lateral move. Yeah, well, we have one less shot basically at getting the kind of promotion by title. We want it. Yeah. So uh, the uh, for for the moment, all eyes are turning to the August 10th deadline for when warning label requirements were set to go into effect. These are the warning labels, by the way, that have to be one third the size of the cigar or box of cigars, uh, which is just ridiculous. That's no, crazy. no industry, uh, no industry has to do anything like and, that. And whatever you do, don't make them brightly colored because then it's just like candy, and kids will have a challenge and eat them. Uh, both the Texas courts and the D.C. courts have made it clear they're aware of this deadline and they're pushing to make a ruling on potential injunctions or stays before that date. So stay tuned. We'll keep you. Up to speed with what's and, going and on. Labeling, like I can't imagine, like so. Like, obviously, if you've ever been to Europe or places like that, right? Like, I mean, it's pretty heavy duty. Like the warnings they have, like it pretty much just says death in a box and has like a picture of like a black lung right, or right. whatever. Yeah. Well, here's my thing. You ever been to France? Do you know how many people smoke there? All of them. Yes, everybody. Like yeah. literally, there's like eight year old kids on the freaking plane. Like it's all pointless. Uh, <laughs> so I just don't care. <laughs> Like, uh, it's just re- like so clearly the labels like I don't care what you put on it like well, you're gonna, like I you either want to be James Dean or you don't you know I lived <laughs> in Los Angeles in the 90s when there were some adjustments I believe to the cigarette label uh, warning uh, packaging and there was a company that basically came out with a a cigarette everybody called it death cigarettes I don't know what the actual uh, uh, brand name was but it was essentially a black cigarette case or box. With a skull and crossbones on it, and the warning, it became the fastest selling cigarette in Los me? Angeles. Everybody had to buy it. Everybody had those. to have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably still there smoking them all these years later. Yeah. Uh, most General's, of them. Surgeon General's warning: You're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Most well, of them. I guess that's it's, good. Well, it is the Viper Room. Yeah. They don't exactly. Like, pardon me, Viper Room. But they, <laughs> they don't exactly have a great track record. <laughs> all right, we are gonna take a break. Uh, and when we come back, I think you're going to uh, figure yes. out the spirit for us. Oh, case, yes. Huh? I'm thinking we might go around the world on this one. We might oh. do something weird. All right. We'll That'll be next. It. That'll be next. We are going to uh, take a quick break, although we'll still be on Facebook Live. This is Smoking and Toast, and we'll be right back. I think if you move the cursor all the way to the end. Oh, you ready? Okay. Here we go. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toast, and it's show number 95. We're talking about spirit and food pairings, and we are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston with our special guest, Jeremiah Butler. B&B is at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in Fort Worth, it's in the shops at Clear Fork. And you mentioned last time you were on that Fort Worth is uh, doing really well. Very well. That's awesome. Really, really cool, man. Great location. Like, we, we, we definitely, like... It, ben is very sage in his uh, choices of places to put things. Can you talk at all about what might be in the future for you guys? What's, uh, what's I can, I can. Yeah. So um, we will be opening a, um, I don't know whether to call it a bar, brasserie, pub, but kind of like a really cool hybrid across the street that would be called uh, uh, Cafe Lemon. So across the street from B&B. From B&B here oh, at Cafe Lemon. Yeah, so if you're familiar with what used to be Caddyshack's, yeah. Um, that will become BB Lemon. And Cafe what, Lemon. what's the what's the vibe of the place going to be? Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to dive too much into that, but it'll be more just think like kind of more like a high end neighborhood like pub. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, 
really cool. Um, we've got like a really, really neat uh, executive chef working on stuff over there. A guy named uh, uh, Eric Johnson. Um, is Love his guitar, guitar player. player. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him. He's like, no, I never get that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm only from Austin. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived in Austin for like nine years. No, nobody ever asked me that question at all. Um, but no, Reminds so me of the time I spent like 25 buckets bucks for tickets to see some guy named Stevie Roy Vaughn. Oh. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> or, or was it was it Gallagher that had his brother doing his uh, oh, yeah. his stand up for years? Yeah, brother well, of Gallagher. His brother was doing the stand up. No, for years. as Gallagher. No, I was going to say that he, he wouldn't then stop. Then He's he like, "You're not me, quit." And then he just absorbed it and started making money off it. And <laughs> he had two Gallagher. So there's Gallagher and Gallagher too. Yeah. And oddly enough, even uh, when multiplied by two, it still wasn't funny enough for one show. But I digress. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the. Uh, sorry, not a not no. A that was awesome. Not a Gallagher fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, uh, giant couches and smash watermelons. Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, it was funny for five minutes the first time. Yeah, but my giant couch is better than your giant couch. Yeah. I, I can you know, see that argument? Uh, <laughs> I smash watermelons with bigger pieces or yeah. smaller. Can you, pieces? can you imagine the business meetings now? Hey, brother, uh, your giant couch isn't up to spec. It was more. It was more fun watching David Letterman throw watermelons off the top of his. Uh, that is absolutely uh, a true story. Yes, yes absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, okay, so it's spirits time, and yes. we've been talking about food and spirits pairing, and that gave you an idea for something that it we did. Could really taste so, on the show. Um, so this is Lini Aquavit. And now for something completely different. Uh, uh, Absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and it is very different. Um, it it, it, it kind of doesn't fit into any of the normal categories that we would typically visit on the show. It's not a whiskey. It's not a rum. And it's from Norway. Uh, this is Norwegian. Um, I thought they only made ice wine in Norway. Uh, no, man. They, they make some great aquavit. Uh, and actually, they make very regional aquavits as well. Like, I have one at home um, that a really, really amazing regular of mine brought me, uh, for example, called Gamal Opland. And so, Opland is a region, and then Gamal refers to, like, the age. So, Gamal is, like, very old. So, like, very aged Aquavit from Opland. From, okay. So, um, with Aquavit, um, typically made from, like, mixtures, grains, potatoes. Um, it's, there's not, like, a, as far as I know, there's not hard and fast rules about mash bills or mm-hmm. how they do that. Um, this particular one um, is really kind of cool because through happenstance a long time ago, uh, they left the spirit on the bow, like the bow of a boat. Well, that boat left Norway and didn't come back for like eight months. And it crossed the equator twice, so the story goes, and all this <laughs> stuff. And they got it back. And the, the, the story is that they couldn't afford to throw it away. So, like, well, you know, F this. We're going to bottle it and see what happens. To this day, they're still sending it on a boat. So, like, if you look on the back, actually, yeah, the it actually shows the uh, the trip that it takes. I wish we had, um, I wish we had a, a, a background screen twice. where we That's could have a map with the dotted line, like, where it goes. Actually, on. we're working on that. Green, <laughs> green screen. Green <laughs> screen. We're working on that, yes. Uh, we could put all kinds of cool stuff so on the screen. So, Aquavit, I've actually had Aquavit before. Um, yes. And there's an interesting uh, little place in Smithville, Texas, called Bone Spirits Distillery. I don't know yes. if you're familiar Valhalla. with it. Valhalla. Um, they make a. Uh, by the way, we've had their uh, Dirty June Gin, and it's on our delicious. Show. Yes, yeah, yeah, which is the Moody June. Yeah, it's the Moody June, but, but the Dirty Gin, the Dirty June's phenomenal. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that is a great. That uh, that you gave me. That's a great smoking gin. Yes, but also they make an Aquavit there, which is what Valhalla. The first time I, I, I tried it was there. Now. Their Aquavit is more of the. It's, 
as much as Scandinavian can be northern and southern. So like with aquavits, like the Norwegian and Danish aquavits, and like please, this is not a category that's like my exact strength, but I do love them and have quite a collection at home. Um, is so the thing about the aquavits is if you go to more like the Swedish uh, uh, styles and the Swiss styles, they tend to be more almost like snaps like liqueurs like they have like right. like a very heavy anise they're a little thicker this has a little thicker bit of anise sweeter. In it. now this think? has the anise but the the danish and uh because alborg is the other my other favorite besides Linny. these two are more kind of vegetal like they have the anise in the nose but not as much on the palate and yeah there's quite a bit of it on the nose and, and, but then when yeah. it hits your tongue you don't you don't get that overwhelming you know licorice flavor you get that coriander and caraway and dill and and wow like, dill like i didn't yes, i was trying to nail all oh, the yeah. dill is is 100 yeah. and so that's it's almost why, like a pickle it's so well, and that's why this so th- one of the things in norway with aquavit is you take little tiny shots like this and they they serve it with um pickled herrings very heavily salted fish. Well, that's, uh, or that's how they. Lamb. I was going to say that's how they prepare so much of their food Absolutely. there because of the, the cold. Absolutely. And, and, and so uh, here, a lot of times, what I'll do is if I have a table that, like, you know, I, I want to do a cool pairing, is I'll do this with our lamb bacon. So it's a cured, salty, smoky mm, lamb dish wow. with served with a little mm-hmm. bit of that that, cr- that 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 grain mustard on the bottom. And this is perfect because you get that vegetal note from from the dill in here. Um, you know, you, you get all those kind of cool aged flavors right. um, from the barrel, but it's not overwhelmingly like wooded or anything like that. So it's, it's a very interesting, unique. So what's really amazing, like you smell the anise, like you're talking about, and um, the interesting thing too is this is a, a a slightly overproof as well. Yes, and it, it drinks almost like a liqueur it's got a sweetness and a really nice like you said the vegetal kind of yeah flavors it's got all those spices in there it's this very absolutely amazing digestive wow after you I eat bet. a big yes. meal yes sit down with a cigar like like a medium like like that right there and 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 this man it's like magic your tummy relaxes everybody's happy yeah. you don't have to take a nap it's like it's an amazing digestivo so um, but this is something that here at the restaurant you will very commonly see me pair with one of our appetizers. I'm, I'm amazed. There's almost no heat to this at all. No. Even at even no, at it's very over drinkable. 40, yeah. Even at over forty percent. Well, and Adam and I were talking before the, no the, the segment started. Bloody Marys. This makes an wow. unbelievable Bloody Mary. Who, who would have thunk it? Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, yeah. it it reminds me in many ways of a gin, just because Absolutely. it's so botanical. Yes. But it doesn't yeah. have the it doesn't have the gin sort of flavor to go with that, and it doesn't have the lavender. It's, it but doesn't it have the dryness has, that the yeah. gin generally has. Well, and it's a different aging. You know, obviously, gin is very rarely, very rarely aged. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, so kind of the idea and why it works. Um, to, to put this in perspective, uh, to like reel the whiskey fans back in, think about Jefferson's Ocean. Yeah. They put it on the bow of a ship. They let it do its thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea with this is everywhere this boat goes, there's different salinity in the air. There's right. different barometric pressure. The wave heights are different. Mm-hmm. So this wood is affected by all these different factors. So it's a very unique. It's it, infinite variable. I mean, yeah, you can't like. 
I don't know which one is the one that contributes the most to it. Like, you know, it's like, is it the pressure? Is it the salt? Is it the waves? Like, no, who knows? Meant, yeah, the movement, just the movement it's in the huge. barrel makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Well. Because when you store a barrel, I, I don't know how many times it is. When you store a barrel, you turn the barrels every so often. Yes, to the, get the, some the racking technique. Right, the racking. So you turn it every once in a while, but that's not like in there swishing around. When you put this on a ship, there's no way to hold it still. No. Like, mm-hmm. you're on a ship. The whole thing's moving. Uh, absolutely. And well, so, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right. If it's, it's not, you've got a problem. <laughs> something, something's broken. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so that constant agitation, just even that has a lot more to do with it. That's absolutely. Why have you had, you've had the oceans, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... The, uh, which is fantastic. That's a great, yeah. that is a great dram. It could, really is. I could see this appealing to vodka drinkers who are ready to take like a next step. Absolutely, because it's got like a, it's got sort of that cleanness of vodka, but but the different botanicals and flavors well, in here give it kind of more like complexity. Where, where Ian compared it to a gin, like this is like you could literally like substitute this in for a gin in any classic cocktail. So like a yeah. last word or a corpse reviver, you know, instead of the gin, you could literally just throw this in plug and play and it's just going to add this really amazing complexity and sort of different vegetal note, like a different botanical note, because gin is very predictable. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't mean to say that, like, depending on the Depending on which one you got, you know what you're getting in it. Uh, yeah, right, yeah right, right. typically. Like, if I see London Dry, like, okay, it's this, it's going to be you this flavor profile. You know what Hendrix is going to taste Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Cucumber yeah. and rose, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, by the yeah. way, shout out to William Grant on the Hendrix note. Yeah. Um, and and shameless big plug. shouts to our, uh, our very good... Uh, Friend, Mattias Horseman. Horseman. Yeah. He's so fun. <laughs> He's from Hendrix. Oh, I was just the bar poet. Hashtag bar poet. Hashtag, Hashtag bar poet. You know, we're talking about food and, and, and liquor com- combinations Certainly. and pairings. Are you familiar with the cupcake shop sprinkles? You, you heard I, of these I guys? have heard of this. Is okay. it, I've seen that. Place. Yeah, there, there's a few of them around Houston. Well, they have now teamed up with Tito's, and they are offering vodka-infused limited edition Cupcakes. Interesting. Uh, the first one is called Tito's Down Home Punch. Uh, it's only available for a few more days, by the way. It's an orange cake filled with berry pomegranate compote and topped with Tito's infused lemon berry marble frosting. The second one, which is coming out on the 9th of this month, is the Tito's American Mule. A ginger cake studded with crystallized ginger and topped with a Tito's infused lime frosting. They're available at any Sprinkles location. The that Edible Moscow Mule. Yeah, that sounds you gotta pretty love that, fun. Huh? I, I, I'm not mad at it. We were talking about the, the food pairings before. Uh, this was uh, months back, but I, I think I even posted this on um, Bourbon Society page or whatever. But uh, me and my wife were sitting down, and on a very rare occasion, we were having ice cream. I was eating my ice cream, and I was enjoying it, but I thought, this is missing something. And I look over at my shelf, and I see my Michter's American Whiskey. I know. Like, it's so obvious, right? <laughs> and I just took it and poured a shot over it. And? How delicious. Yeah, see, like, I so knew it. good. Just I like that. I'm going to tell you how delicious. Very, very <laughs> delicious. <laughs> it was like, it, it took my ice cream to 11. All this right. One, this one went to 11. When we come back, we'll see if Goose Island has managed to go to 11 with Lolita. We, uh, it... Well, let's see how it compares with the Sophie, at least, which has been a favorite on the show. And this is still brewed at the original location. Yes, it is, in Chicago. And we'll do this when we come back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We're live at B&B talking about spirit and food pairing. (laughs) 
Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 95, meaning we are only, what, no, four shows away from number 100. The Smoking and Toasting 100th show free-for-all. We're getting extra microphones and extra board, and we're going to have as many guests as we can cram onto the show. Everybody tasting, talking about what they're tasting, bringing things they want everyone to try. It's going to be kind of like, uh, it's going to be... It would be kind of like if you had a really cool party at your house, only the people that you invited were all like beer, spirit, and cigar people who brought stuff. Yeah. See, I like that, because I was yeah. thinking it's, it's kind of like a really cool party, except you invited me. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> every party has to have that person. Yeah, there's a token That guy. everybody that's else okay. can talk about after the party. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, why, that's, that's a good party. Fair yeah. enough. Balancing the guest list for a good party is a, is a really important uh, thing to be able to do. So I just wanted to point out, we were talking about the Goose Island uh, label uh, earlier in the show. And I don't know if you can see that on the camera, but the top of that has the original the Goose Island logo, which was the goose kind of looking back. Mm-hmm. And then that changed to that more uh, straight-ahead looking larger goose. Ironically enough. Then, yeah, oh, see, there you go. Uh, the goose. There you go. Yeah. Well, so, so, but, uh, so my tattoo is actually a tattoo for the symbol of the word Sankofa. Which, which is an East African word, which means the literal translation is go back and fetch it. But the idea is, like, don't forget where you come from. Ah, so it's a bird nice. flying forwards, but looking backwards. Don't forget where you come from. Oh, oh I knew he might show up. Oh, on. my gosh. Nobody S- said. Speaking of whiskey. Speaking of whiskey. <laughs> and he got here just in time to try the Lolita. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, hey, pull up a chair and a glass, brother. Don't be, don't be shy. Hey, uh, while he's doing that, let me do Dude, I'll, I'll share a mic with Krakenberger anytime. Fair enough. How are you, buddy? <laughs> good, sir. Good, sir. Good. I don't think we got much of a, uh, a much of the sound there. It was a fairly quiet opening, but I'm going to pass that over to Adam so he can uh, he can load that Lolita. I'm sure it's loud in the bottle. Yeah, I'm right. guessing so. Big so, and loud on the flavor. So uh, Goose Island started experimenting. I know this from reading the book. Started experimenting <laughs> very early. Uh, in their existence with beers that nobody else was really trying to do the same way. And that's where the Sophie and Matilda came from. And this one is another one in that, uh, in that vein. We'll see, uh, we'll see how it holds up. So let's, uh, let's say hello to our, uh, hey, uh, to our new guest. I, I'm going to pass the mic off. So this is, uh, I'll, I'll do the introduction. Yes, this please. is uh, Mr. Frank Krakenberger from uh, Beam Suntory. I'm quite sure you've all seen him. Adam, are we still on the video thing? Yes, we are. I'm I'm quite sure you all have seen or heard him on the show before, but uh, please, Frank, go ahead. So I have a correction for you. You might have to uh, scoot up, uh, Frank, just to make sure you're in the video shot. Well, that was the play I planned it. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of an ugly guy. See? I was going to say, if you lean forward just enough, you'll completely block Jeremiah in the screen as well. Perfect. I'll pitch forward pretty far so that. Ah, my wife to the rescue. There we yeah. go. <laughs> Unintended podcast. Uh, yeah. Appearance. So, like so you mentioned you had to correct yeah. something. What I do. That? I have to correct you. I have a different job now. Outstanding. Ah. Uh, hmm. Uh, yeah. Luxury specialist? No. As a matter of fact, uh, oh, you're no. staring at the new luxury specialist. Hi, Mr. New Luxury Specialist. Uh, Hi, his, name's, specialist. his name's Frank as well. Okay, Frank, too. No, Frank Fernandez. Two, two is a weird last name. Yes. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I think of myself as a luxury specialist, but certainly no one's ever given me that title. The title, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what does a luxury specialist do exactly? So what my old former job was and what he does now is managing the uh, the Beam Centauri portfolio for Houston. 
on our higher end restaurants, bars, craft cocktail scene, fine dining, hotels, things of that hey, nature. Ouch, man. <laughs> hey, you don't come see me for a long time. You just show up in the podcast. That's what you get. All right, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh, I'm now the uh, the Maker's Mark diplomat for for Texas and Louisiana. So yeah. I was wondering how you get an even better Very name well. than luxury specials, well. but that's amazing. Maker's Got it. Mark <laughs> diplomat. I mean, I love it. It's kind of uh, like a brand ambassador, but let me, take dinners for every. That's right. Let me just awesome. take this moment to point out my latent anger at my high school guidance counselor, who never let me know those jobs existed or were available. Well, to be fair, I have a degree in art, so... I'm just saying, a Maker's Mark <laughs> diplomat, I would have signed up for that as a junior. You know, That's come amazing. on. yeah. We actually uh, have some interns at Maker's now doing that, which is uh, interesting, yeah. So you've joined us just in time to taste the Lolita from Goose Island. Uh, and we, we did a whole show about Goose Island last week, but we weren't able to find this until this week, so I thought this would be our, our sort of uh, follow-up to that. And, uh, you know, Goose Island, some of their beers we loved, some we were just okay with. Uh, but this is a... Uh, this is a completely different category, and I see right now you're pointing at the glass and yes. shaking your head. I, well, I, I already went ahead and did some uh, research. Um, holy cow, this is amazing and savory and just not what I expected. Now, this totally this, caught me off guard. This is not brewed in the same vats as Bud and Bud Light. For sure. This right. is still brewed on site at the original Goose the original Island Goose Brewery, Island. Uh, yeah. as far as I understand it, and this is still made... You know, in house, so to speak. And in fairness to that comment, the reason that Ian said that is because the three went to Wheat Ale, uh, and uh, for a long time the the Honkers Ale right. were in fact brewed in Bud Light tanks in uh, some of the different Anheuser Busch breweries. Once AB Inbev yeah, bought Goose Island, they were outsourced originally to keep up with the uh, to keep demand. up with the demand. Yeah. So, but they kept a lot of their. Uh, they're, what do they call this? The, uh, the what this series? I can't remember what they call this series, but they're uh, they, this whole series with like the white label generally, yeah, yes. is generally mm-hmm. still brewed in the in house. This, this is pretty is amazing. Man, yeah, this is, is so so. It's, it's a wild so ale, and it's got a little bit of the sour tartness to it. Would you classify it as a sour? Ian? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, it, and when you say a little bit, it's a lot of sour. I mean, this is a very sour. And a lot of people don't like sour beers. I love sour beers. Literally, it tastes like Orange Crush beer and chicken stock. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way wow. possible, like in an amazing combination. Says, with, with the chicken stock, I can see that. it has a little funk to it, but maybe it's, it's supposed to. It's, maybe it's, it's salty, stock. savory. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm telling you, like goose this, stock. like totally caught me off guard. This is phenomenal. Wow, it is incredibly complex. Yes, like I'm not sure I can even. There's definitely some sort of like wilder berry flavor, not uh, almost tomatoey. Yes, maybe yeah. Yes, like cherry tomatoes, like heirloom cherry a tomatoes. Bit of acidity to it, yeah. So and it just leaves your mouth watering like crazy. Well, well th- this is a food. Like I, I, I want more beer and I want food. Like yes. that's immediately you drink so, it. Right. So we've been talking pairing. What, Absolutely. What kind of food do you pair this with? Yes. Apple pie. Yes. yes. <laughs> I pair Apple this with pie. yes. <laughs> Apple pie. Absolutely. Chicken shank, pork chops. Oh. Yeah. Bacon. I can see with pork chops a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like wow. Cheesecake. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Cut through the fat, sour, yeah, acidic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, oh my gosh. Go get mm. a sliced cheesecake. 
I will. Uh, I'm off the clock, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really phenomenal. I mean, this is a. So this takes us back to that whole argument about the big boys buying the small guys because Goose Island's been owned by AB InBev now for quite a few years, and yet they've still managed to make a very off-the-radar experimental beer like this. And one of the things that you know we were very critical of was them making the 312 Urban Wheat Ale and some of the others in those Budweiser tanks, but it was moving those out of the Chicago brewery right. and making them in those tanks that allowed them the tank space to be able to experiment and do more of these kind of beers. Well, well, I, would, so, I would hope that that's more like when we, when we talked about Carbock on the show, same idea. Like I would hope that they would move... To the AB InBev, like the the stuff that's made all year, the big boys, like the, you know your Love Streets, your you know that kind of thing, and that way you you can still keep Carbock, Carbock, you know you can still make your like keep boutique the craft stuff, your, the craft you know your cowbell, exactly. And I mean, hey, dude, at some point everybody's got to, you you have to go make your money, right? You know, like so if you can do, America. and if you can do both, which I think that Goose Island did a great is a great example of. I mean, I, hell, I would even say now that Frank's here, like a shameless plug for like you know what, what, where he's at, like you know like, like Beam Suntory, like being able to like have big brands that are absolutely massive, but still keep like your your, your tiny releases, like like like, like every year the the, the Freud Kerchus, you know, being being able to like say, hey, we can compete and we can dump gallons of whatever we need to to, to meet a demand, but we are still craftsmen, like we are still artisans, you know, and I think that that, that balance. Is what makes or breaks when you when you get bought out. You know? It you know it's it's the essence of the argument. You know yeah. it, it really is. And there's you know you can really argue that uh, that all of that is true. And then at the same time, the craft guys, the smaller guys, are going to argue that the big guys are basically putting their thumb on them and and keeping them from getting you know shelf space and a whole lot of other things. I mean, I would challenge like, and again, just because I happen to have Frank here, like, okay, then fine, go have a, a standard like old fashioned made with regular red top makers. Right, it's awesome. It's a great old fashioned. But then go and get the cast strength, like the sing, you know, the, the 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 smaller batch, the barrel, and like tell me it doesn't have more character, and like tell me at that point that they're not doing both things. You know, right. like I would challenge you to say that they can't be both thing. Now there are some that can't. Like it's not for everybody. Obviously, you know, they have a resource pool that maybe not every distillery or brewery has. You know, but that's why if you're Carbach or say Arnold or Goose, that's why you do it, is to get a bigger ability to, to, to experiment. Like, if you have more money, you can do weirder stuff. You can buy more expensive ingredients. You can buy new tools or, or stills or vats or whatever you need to do to do cool stuff. Like Ian, you may remember we had, it was after the sale, uh, a Carbach beer that was in a... Uh, 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 in one of the 750 milliliter bottles, and it was a barley wine, mm-hmm. and we both thought it was outstanding. Do you remember that? I, I do. I do. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. I don't know. I can't maybe 15, 20 shows ago, and I'll have to go and look it up. But uh, but it was fantastic. Uh, barley wine. I'm pretty sure I was, was on that one for it. That sounds right. Oh man! But yeah. So, and you know me, I love barley wines anyway. Big, big gnarly beers. I'm, I'm all about triple it. box. Speaking of Sam Adams, do you remember the triple box? The, the weird I blue do. bottle. Well, here's soy the thing. sauce. For, yeah, first, the, first time I ever tasted a beer that I was like, this doesn't even taste like beer. Here's the thing about Sam Adams triple box. I don't know 
that it was an amazing tasting beer, but it was an amazing beer, especially for the time. It was so like, groundbreaking. Yeah. And whipping. It goes back to like the like I mean literally like the guy at the whipping was like I don't know if you'll like it or not, but this is the weirdest beer I've ever had. <laughs> Nigel. And I was, Nigel, Nigel was the, the name of the barley yeah. one. Uh, but but I mean but, but, but I was like you know at the whip I mean it's the whipping you take his advice like right, you, right. when you buy the varied six pack and he says this should be one of your six you say okay right no problem and yeah. we like me uh, and me and my buddy James like I mean we didn't know what to do with it like we opened it and we poured it and we were like sitting there and I mean at the time we didn't know sh- I don't know if I can profane so we didn't know anything about you beer. can like we didn't know shit from Shinola when it came to beer like literally we were like six months past you know 40 parties in college and so all of a sudden i'm like drinking this triple bock and i'm like i don't even know what to do i don't know what this is like is this beer is this wine like i don't even know and for that time it was amazing like there was nothing going on like i mean you had like some really really i mean like 1999 yeah (laughs) uh ian as we as we get ready to wrap up here um, about a $22 bottle at retail. Price to quality? This is, well, so at $22, you expect it to be this good. Price to quality, I give it five to five and a half. This is worth every penny that you pay for it. I think, especially when you get a group of people like this that will appreciate it, you don't even have to like it. But trying something so different and so interesting like this and being able to appreciate it and talk about it, man, what a great conversation piece that becomes, you know? Yes, absolutely. So I'd say, you know, five, five and a half, easy. Uh, it's an outstanding beer. Um, it's sour like Petrus is. It's really sour, If you've sour, never had yeah. Petrus, buy Petrus if you like sour ales. It but it's like sour like that, but it's, got, but it's got, you know, more dank undertones and different things going on. It's, it's fantastic. Speaking of price to quality, final thoughts on your cigar? So uh, it actually came apart a little bit at the very end. Now, it, keep in mind, I'm smoking it a little longer than I probably should. Uh, and it started flaking just a little bit. I'm not even going to count that as a, uh, as, a, uh, as a minus on that cigar. That cigar was great. I think I paid 12 to $13 for this cigar. I'm going to buy more of these. I'm going to give this a 5.5 to 6 again because... This, to me, by the way, our price to quality index works 1 through 10. 5 is exactly what you pay for. You get less than 5, you're a little disappointed. More than 5, you feel like you actually got more than you paid for. I'm giving this a 5.5 to 6 because I feel like I really enjoyed that. The burn was fantastic. The flavor profile was great. It went great with all the, all the, um, all the different liquids we had today. Um, and uh, and stood up even though it's uh, on the bottom side of probably a medium profile. That was fantastic. Good. Well, it's been quite a show. Thank you for having us again, Jeremiah. Man, this has been an awesome show. <laughs> you know, we didn't even get into all of the things that we can about uh, about tasting, so we'll just call this segment one on uh, food pairings and tastings, yeah, and we'll, uh, re- we'll be back guy. to do more. Because I want to talk about cheese. Like, what kind of cheese is good with what kind oh. of uh, uh, with what kind of spirit? Yes. And that's a whole show. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> so. cheese is amazing and booze is amazing. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, that's like my two favorite food groups right there. And right. there is your quote of the show. Cheese is amazing and booze is and amazing. Booze and with amazing. that, uh, we will bid you farewell from uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston. Uh, they are our sponsor and a lovely place to come and enjoy Cheers. a great cigar and some good good drinks have a great week thanks frank for stopping by happy i was able to take care